All right. Well, it's uh, my privilege to uh, introduce Jarrell today to uh, bring uh, the word to us as we continue in our series in James that we're calling Louder Than Words. Uh, Jarrell and his wife Karen have been with us here at the church for a number of years now, uh, serves in a number of leadership capacities. Uh, just uh, a real blessing to the congregation. He also serves as the vice president of Heartbeat International, a pro life organization, and you all know how much uh, that issue means to us here at this church. And so, just very thankful for Jarrell, and uh, just ask that you open your hearts to receive what he has to say today. Thank you. <laughs> oh. If you want to, you don't have to. Well, I think there's enough visitors. I think I need to do this again. Yes, my name is Jorel. Yes, there's a hyphen in the middle. Yes, there's a capital E that comes from Superman and Krypton, and I had nothing to do about it when I was born, okay? Have you, how many of you have seen Man of Steel? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wild movie. Lots of cool stuff about uh, messianic um, things in there. So um, I, it's always a privilege to be able to stand in the podium, and I very much appreciate the um, confidence uh, that Pastor Brian um, puts in me to allow me the opportunity to do this. Makes it hard when I follow him, and it makes it even harder when I follow, like, uh, Stan the Man from last week. So... Uh, it's going to be, uh, it'll be interesting. And so I want, to, I want you to get a little bit of exercise. You had some chance uh, watching Maricela go around, you know, from part, part, part on the stage. But I'm going to be a little more m- mobile today. So I want you to practice. Ready? Everybody look this way and look that way. Pretend you were at Wimbledon this past week. This way. Okay, so we're, now we're loosened. We're loose, right? Okay, good. Um, real quick before I truly get started with my start to my introduction to my message introduction. Um, That's right. Thanks, Adele. Thanks for the reminder. Real quick, I want to just say, I want everybody to say a quick hello for me to our um, uh, family friend and has been with us about, was with us for about six weeks, about a year and a half ago, and that's Madi Lu, who's with us this morning. Yes. We we refer to her as our Dutch daughter. If you'd like to rent a Dutch daughter for a week or so... um, you can just call Holland and ask for the tall blonde ones because that's where they come in. So, <laughs> I've had a chance to meet her family, stay with her family. They love the Lord, and it's always a pleasure to have. We really are family in the sense that Jesus makes us all family, right? So it's kind of neat to share communion with her this morning. So if you have your Bibles, um, open up to the book of James, chapter 3. Now, some of you will pick up your phones, and you'll be pretending to go to your version on the Bible, but I really know that you're, like, uh, catching up on, you know, uh, what is that, Farmville or Facebook or whatever, so. <clears throat> and if you're visiting with us, I'm sure you're typing in, oh, my gosh, this guy's weird already, so. <laughs> so we're going to be in James, and I think we have the scriptures, if we can... Pop them up there. I've got an, I borrowed an NIV for my kids. I normally read the NAS, but to try to stay somewhat consistent. So we're going to be reading um, James chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 12. So not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal 
Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear fig, figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is so rich to us. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege of um, just basking in your word and allowing your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to go um, kind of set the stage again. First of all, I, I want to make a note. You know, I, uh, Pastor Brian was putting this, sermon, this kind of sermon series together uh, a matter of maybe a couple of months ago. And so he asked me in advance, you know, hey, would you, this is kind of where we'll be at, and this is, would you do this particular passage? And I've really been meditating on this particular passage uh, for, for the last several weeks, just, you know, having to, to think about it and kind of put the message together. But I keep coming back to, was, was Pastor Brian trying to tell me, give me a message with verse 1? Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I kind of want to say, check please. <laughs> I think I'll, okay, so context of James. James, uh, as we've been learning in verse, or chapters one and two, is really, it's, um, it's, a, it's a Proverbs, like it's like the Proverbs of the New Testament. James is practical. His information is kind of right to the point. It really goes more to, I, I like uh, what Stan said last week, it's not so much about doctrine per se, but it goes really more towards who we are, how we're living, what we're doing, kind of that personal connection for us, guides us, these little nuggets that just kind of are floating around and put together in, in an order that, that uh, just, just drives us to more uh, of a reality of how we live. It, it addresses things. Things like how we are able to withstand testing and temptation. It tells us to do, don't just hear, get busy. I mean, I love that bumper sticker that says, Jesus is coming, look busy, right? It's not look busy, we're to be doing, we're to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And it also talks about how our deeds and our actions genuinely reflect our faith in Christ. But the message or the, I guess the sermon series title is called Louder Than Words, and a lot of this has been focusing on, so far, has been focusing on what our actions speak. What really is louder than words? What really do we do that speaks louder and broader? Now, I don't know about you or your family, but I have three kids in my house. Well, this week, you know, there's four kids, not, not in our house, because our oldest one is, is, uh, lives in New York. But our two at home, when they were very little, they were very different. And their words that they spoke 
we had this, this dynamic, you know, where, where um, Kara pretty much doesn't say anything. And when she does, it's not very loud unless it's at her brother. And then she manages to come out with this kind of like volume that you can't believe. Okay, so she's pretty much been even keel since she was even very little. Joel, on the other hand, not so much. So he was one of these toddlers that had this, that quickly had to learn this lesson regarding inside voice and outside voice, right? And so we had this little code. And I asked them, I probably haven't used it in like several years because they learned it. It would be this. And you know what that meant? Turn it down. We are inside. So we have this inside voice and outside voice. And sometimes I think we can have that same personality in our own lives, either whether, whether it's uh, separate from us or some of us are really quiet. And so consequently, if you're like me, I mean, I live by the, by the axiom that says, you know, basically, um, how does it go? Uh, remind, remain silent and be thought a fool rather than open your mouth and remove all doubt. That's how I lived for a, lot of, for a lot of years, and I realized I need to do a little more talkative, and I need to express a little more, and so consequently, I just look the fool. So <clears throat> there's really two sides to the equation of louder than words, right? Our actions will speak louder than words. Our actions will really tell people what we are thinking and what we are believing, because by the way, how we believe is how we behave, okay? And not just while you're at church. How we believe is how we behave. And so when we're wonder, worrying or wondering about, our, about our, our actions, about how they speak and how they communicate, we need to recognize that they themselves are revealing something about us. But what if, you know, our actions, and if we're relatively quiet or really don't say much, what if our actions are having to, to be louder than words that are very loud, and our very loud words can be things that we become accustomed to say, things that we think we are. Well, I'm just, you know, I just have that temper. And there's really, I'm just made that way because I'm some ethnicity, right? I'm Irish or whatever, you know. I, I just do that because that's, that's what my dad did or that's who my family was. I'm just loud that way and I kind of get aggravated and I go off and I speak, to, say too much. And you just have to understand that's the way I am. No, no. Because there really is two sides to the equation. We need to work on our actions. We need to work and and recognize that what we do and how we live and when we're doers of the word versus hearing the word, we really get engaged and get involved. But we also have to be careful about what we speak. And that's what James is talking about. He's challenging us about our tongue sets us in 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 a difficult spot if we don't watch it. It's difficult to deal with to begin with. In fact, he says it's virtually impossible but yet he challenges us not to let it be that way. And so I want to kind of um, go back to that. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 and 2 from the Amplified. And if you haven't read the Amplified, it's got all these brackets and parentheses. So, okay, parenthetical statements. Not many of you, this is verse 1 and 2 only, not many of you should be, 
Come teachers, self-constituted censors and reprovers of others. Now, what the Amplified does is it takes the Greek and it gives like its most fullest definition. So if you ever really, especially in the New Testament, if you, ever, if you have one of these or if you have it on your, on your phone or, or on your iPad, get this version because it actually can be very helpful if you're really exploring what a particular scripture says. So not many of you, many of you should become teachers, self-constituted censors and reprovers of others. My brethren, for you know that we teachers will be judged by a higher standard and with greater severity than other people. Thus, we assume the greater accountability and the more condemnation. Ha, huh, how's that for uh, teachers? Verse 2, for we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, which means he never says the wrong thing, he is a fully developed character and a perfect man able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. That is a powerful statement. All those pieces are kind of, kind of flowing through the scripture in verse 1 that talks about if we can control our tongue, if we can keep our, our words together. So let's focus on these, these two ideas of this equation, that you can, your actions speak louder than words, but your words need to be also part of the equation and addressed, just like your checkbook. There's two ways to affect the bottom line of your checkbook, right? One way is, what's that? Get more, and somebody over here said it. Spend less. Now, some of you just tuned out and totally didn't hear that second part altogether. You either must work for the government or have direct connections with it. (laughs) Right? So we can affect our checkbook in two ways. We can get more income or we can spend less. So with our words, it's the same way. We can do more actions that overcomes the words that we speak, or we can start working on our words as well. I had this picture in my mind when I was, when I was first a Christian. I was, I, was big into, um, I was big into the rock scene, right? The, the rock music stuff. And I haven't been totally delivered from that, at least from, not from the 80s. Um, <laughs> it's like... My kids are like, the stuff I listen to as a kid, they're, they're playing or they're hearing on like rock band or whatever with their, uh, the, their iPod or not, uh, whatever, their Wii. And it's like, when did that become Muzak? That's what I want to know. <clears throat> so, but I, when I first became a Christian, I, I realized that I, I knew a lot of these. I heard a song that I hadn't heard like in 10 years and all those words just came flooding back to me. All that, you know, really good, healthy you know, uh, lyrics from the 80s or 70s. They were like, yeah, not so much. And, but what I realized, and I, I punched the, uh, the dial, and I went to some Christian station, which was like Sandy Patty singing, what a morning, li- was it a morning like this? Okay, clearly you don't know the reference there because <laughs> she, was, she had this like operatic voice, and I'm thinking, really, Lord? And this is before good, good Christian contemporary music was really uh, able to be accessed on a regular basis. Yes, uh, before they had electricity. Um, <laughs> so when I, what I realized, because I, I immediately got a picture in my mind of, of all of the secular music that I knew at that point. It was like a stack of albums. Albums are those vinyl things that you find in the Smithsonian Institute. Okay. <laughs> Imagine CD. No, never mind. Okay. Um, imagine like 17 iPods, okay, a big stack of albums, and I realized I can't unlearn those. 
right? I can't unlearn those, so I'm going to have to make these grow. And that's what we have to do is with our language, we have to begin to understand that, you know, it does cause issues. It does create dynamics that we need to focus on. So James talks a, a lot about the tongue. So I want to, I'm going to give you some fun facts about the tongue. Your tongue has 3,000 taste buds. Try counting them sometime. The tongue is the fastest healing part of the body. Thank God. The tongue is the strongest muscle in your body. Bet you didn't know that. Some husbands are going, yes, amen. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> for those of you visiting, it's been a pleasure knowing you. And um, I'm sorry. <clears throat> okay. Is the only muscle with taste sensors, and this is wild, a human has more bacteria in the mouth than a dog. <laughs> okay. Now. Everybody, take your hand, go like this, stick your tongue out, grab it. No, really, go ahead, grab it, and try to hold on to it and pull it back. Can't be done, right? Okay, somewhere there's a message in here about speaking in tongues. Okay, now try your neighbors. (laughs) Hey, there's hand sanitizer in the back. Some of you going, sorry. Pastor Brian's thinking this will be the last time he gets his chance. <laughs> All right, I want to go actually go back to um, the scripture. Okay, <clears throat> in verse 3 and 4, it's, uh, it says this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, there's some interesting things about that. The primary one I want to draw out is that the the, the tongue is directive. It's directive or even determinative. It determines things. It it, it speaks in in directions. It... um, it's small yet powerful to direct. In fact, uh, I did a little bit of research. I was going to ask. Um, I was going to ask if I could get an example of this, but uh, the, if you, you know the bit and bridle, it weighs only really ounces, only ounces, and yet it can turn an, a horse, which weighs on average like fourteen hundred pounds. Amazing! A little thing can turn that. And how about the the rudder as an example for a ship? You have this giant ship. And then you have this rudder that, that is only a fraction of the size of the whole ship, and yet it can turn that whole thing. So your tongue, when you speak, when you speak, your tongue is directive or determinative, and it's, it really subjects the larger you, your body, to the smaller. What you say reflects your direction. And by the way, if you're like I, like I said a moment ago, if you're like me, you, you, or if you're one of those who are not quick to speak, not, not quick to say things, and you kind of hold them in size. By the way, let me, let me just um, attach you to this scripture as well, because the scripture says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay? So just because you, it doesn't get out of your mouth, like in the form of words, well, I never said that. It's like, you know, when you've you got people in the car and someone cuts you off in the highway and these, all these little fun words go through your mind. But I have not sinned because they've not actually cut. No, guess what? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
In reality, you are not what you eat. Thank God. You are what you say or what you think. So the quiet or the timid, you're not excused from any of this. So the, the, the tongue is directive and determinative. What you speak is, is, is shaping you and molding you. And you know, the athletes know this well. If you guys watch the Olympics or you watch these things, you know, they, they, they train the athletes to, to have this kind of positive imagery. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole idea of kind of the meta, metaphysics or psychology of that, but there is a truth to it, is that they learn to, they, they learn to speak positive. I can do this. I can, it can happen. It will be accomplished. I, I, can, I can take this on. No matter who they're talking about, they are thinking and they are speaking as if they're going to win whether they're playing tennis or they're, they're going to be tackling the, the slopes and their ski thing, you know, they're kind of visualizing success. So they're trying to be directive as how they, they affect themselves. And so they speak positively. They speak good things. And, they, and there's some actual um, studies that say that, it, that the, those that, that, that are able to think positive actually perform better. Athletes. So we need to recognize that these things are directive and determinative, what we speak. But it can also be not just determinative, but now look at the other, this other verse, 5 and 6. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So it can, also, it can not only be directive and determinative, but it can be destructive. And I don't know about you, but there's been those conversations that I've been in in the heat of the moment when something that went through my mind ran out my mouth and I got myself into big trouble. And so we know that it can be destructive. It can be destructive also when we kind of have this, adopt these, these normal attitudes. When the, when the self-talk turns destructive against ourselves. So speaking negatives can be destructive to yourself. Luke 6.45 in the NIV says this, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And it's also in Matthew 12, 34. uh, In the American Standard, it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The most damaging voice we usually hear is our own. It's when we turn negative, that self-talk, when, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I, I play golf, and this is like the most damaging thing I could do to my life because I can't, I, I like, I will putt, and I have like words for myself that I can't speak in public. Like any public. Well, you know why they call it golf, right? Because all the other four letter words were taken. Okay, never mind. Okay. <clears throat> um, but self-talk, when we do that and we consistently badger ourselves, Jarrell, you knucklehead, why did you do that? That was stupid. You're an idiot. When I speak that to myself, I am being destructive to me. 
Not only that, I am aligned against God's will, God's design, God's nature, God's heart, God's love, God's life, God's will for me. I'm aligned against that when I speak those words into my own heart and into my own lives. I am speaking things and I am giving opportunity because you know who's right there helping me with those words? Those words? Not the Holy Spirit. The enemy. The enemy is, is all about being in that moment, in the self-talk when you are putting yourself down. And that's a dangerous place to be. So it's important to recognize that we create destructive language for ourselves. And, of course, we can be speaking negatives that can be destructive to others, especially those you influence. You know, we can create in our own environment of expectation because, in a sense, through our perceptions, we create reality. Right? What if we're, you know, you were constantly, or, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, it, this only applies to me, probably not to any of you in this room. So I'm just going to assume that it's not you, but you may know someone like this. You may know someone that we might call, you know, a, a name would be like Debbie Downer. Okay? She's always talking negative. She's always saying things that are, it's kind of like Eeyore in, you know, Winnie the Pooh. You have, you have this, you know, anybody in your office? No, none of you here, I'm sure. It's not any of you. But you have this, oh, woe is me. It's always bad. You know, it says that there's, that there's a, a 10% chance of rain today. I'll never do this really well. It'll never be perfect. Right? That's kind of Debbie Downer. What about Nervous Ned? You know, I don't know. Is God going to do this? I got no idea. I really don't know what's going to happen. It's crazy. I, I can't predict the future, so I, I don't really know what's going to go on. You know, uh, the same, kind of same thing with uh, Anxious Annie. You know, all those, all those things. Nervous Ned. If I haven't hit one, one of yours, um, how, about, how about this? How about Faithless Fred? I don't know if God can do this one. This is a pretty big sin. <laughs> Or how about what you think of somebody that you know? I don't know if God can handle that one. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, that cross stuff, that was really good, but this one? <laughs> so we can speak negatives, whether it's out loud or in our minds, that are destructive to others. It can also define relationships. Okay, this is one, this is one you know, like when you have those little things with your spouse or when you refer to your spouse, right? Okay, this is one that, you have, that have never, I have never said and pray that I will never say even a moment of weakness, you know. Well, my old lady, because, you know, she can throw things. <laughs> but sometimes we do that and we think we're being funny and we think we're being cute and, oh, it's just an expression, you know, or when she's not around, then we say it to our, our guy friends. Or, uh, word has it, when the girls are together, you know, they do this as well. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I've heard, none of you people, I'm sure, but those that you're around, you have this kind of thing where you think it's okay to make these negative references to one another or to those that you're with. What about, what about our parents? Well, my old man, it's like, is that respectful? Is that love, you know, loving or honoring your father and your mother? Not so much. How about parenting kids? There's a phrase, we can speak negatives into our kids. Sometimes we do it without even knowing. 
You know, this phrase I learned really, really early on, and this is sometimes something happens, and we rush over, and we say something like, what's wrong with you? Think about that. Now, there may be something wrong, and it may be with them, but, you know, God designed this person. Nothing's wrong with them. Hey, what is wrong? You know, sometimes we have to think of our own expressions and, and change those and, and get, get them positive or speak or be careful that we don't just put things into somebody that doesn't, doesn't exist or shouldn't be thinking, well, they, they think something's wrong with me. And we have to be careful with those kind of phrases. This thing does not want to participate with me today. Maybe because I should just stand here. How about at work or when we're working on something and we focus on perfection and we go to the, we go to the situation. I have the chance to, to, and I'm around a number of speakers who get to do workshops and do trainings and they'll have a room like this and then they'll get, they'll get surveys. There will be no such surveys after this. Thank you. Um, Cause I, you know, I don't want to hear it. Um, but I have some very good, very gifted, very skilled people who will, do, who will train on a very good, good message, and then they'll speak, and then they'll get surveys, and they'll get 100 surveys. Guess which one they focus on? The one negative. Well, they wore the wrong color. Sorry, it's green. Can't help that. You know, or, but they'll only focus on the negative, and they won't realize, and so sometimes we do that of our own relationships, either at home or at work, and we need to be extremely careful when we're doing that. So, what can you do to help this side of the equation? Yes, continue the actions. Yes, continue to grow your deeds. Continue to do the word. But this side of the equation, there are a few key things that we can do to adjust our words and our language. First, restrain your words. Don't let the things that float through your mind come out of your mouth. Plain and simple. We're going to work on, on our mind in a minute, but don't let them come out of your mouth. There are things that you should not be saying Monday through Saturday. If you're not willing to say them on Sunday, you should not be saying them Monday through Saturday. All right? So adjust your own language. Now, I know some of you work in environments where it's an extremely secular environment, and there's all kinds of coarse language out there, but refrain your words. Now, I, I believe that the, the Scripture talks about taking the Lord's name in vain. I do think that, by the way, you know, uh, Jesus' last, uh, Jesus's last name is not Christ. That's his title. Like, some people use those terms pretty poorly. So we need to be careful of those. I'm not trying to minimize those. You know, God's last name does not start with a D and rhyme with ham. I'll, I'll wait for this section to get that one in a minute. Who is he? <laughs> oh, by the way, I decided to work on the Pastor Ryan look today. So I'll work on the hair next time I get a chance to do this. Um, the, uh, so we want to res- restrain our own words. We want to command our own words. We don't want to speak coarsely. We don't want to speak negatively. We don't want to use poor language. And in order to, to use better language, we need to refresh our vocabulary. Strengthen your word count. Do some work. Profanity can often be an inability to express yourself. If you ever really want to know that what that's like, be around some 10-year-olds who have no concept of, of uh, church at all. 
They think like, or some, even adults, that every, every third or fourth word is a profanity. That's because they have a deep inability to express themselves. So refresh your vocabulary. Increase your word count. Just in general, be readers, be learners, be learning more words. Do that, do that word a day kind of stuff. I, I'm, that's, not, I'm, that's not a small thing. That's not a small thing. And definitely read the Scripture. Read the Scripture so that you put positive things, you're putting faith-filled things into you. You're learning those, those words when Jesus talks about or he uses or he involves or he engages so that you can speak those. And then the th- So restrain your words, refresh your vocabulary, and then the third is renew your mind. Renew your mind. As new creatures in Christ, we are to gain a new understanding. We, we walk in the new covenant. And by the way, the world, the world actively pushes out the word. Right? So if you're not renewing your mind, you're renewing your mind, you're pushing the word in, and you, so you're pushing the world out. That's what we have to do. So the three things that we need to, we need to do are Restrain your own words, eliminate coarse language and negativity, refresh your vocabulary, strengthen your word count, read scripture, or by the way, faith-filled writing, there's all kinds of good stuff. There's some really good fiction that's, that's faith-filled or faith-oriented. If you're a fictional reader, read some of those, and then renew your mind. New creatures in Christ gain a new understanding, and make sure that the world is not getting a foothold to actively push out the word. So we can do this. We can tame our tongue. Now, I know that that James is making a point. He's trying to tell us, wow, it can't be done. But really what he's doing is is challenging us that we should should make every effort to because we don't want to be destructive or, or be determinative in the wrong way. We want to be directive in a positive way in our own lives and to those around us. We want to speak truth and good things into those, into our kids, into our generations that follow. We want to speak power and positives into those things. Yeah, we, we don't want to be Pollyannas. I'm not talking about being, you know, really pie in the sky kind of stuff. Because by the way, that same study that said the athletes or that positive thinking can be very, very helpful and help you actually achieve also says that, there, that your goals have to be realistic, Right? So if you get up and say, I'm going to read 87 chapters of, chapters of the Bible today in 10 minutes. Okay, that's not going to happen. So don't do that. Be, be reasonable. Determine something that is achievable and say, yes, I can. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Let's stand to your feet.